forever worship you. I could only imagine. Aren't you glad that we are a people who are created for eternity? That all of the, this is just this is just the training ground for the days that are to come. And we give God thanks that in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our stuff, part of what he's doing is shaping us and honing us in order to be a people who look more like him. So that as the kingdom of God invades the kingdom of this world, we get to be a people who look like Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. And uh, if you have a Bible that uh, has the red letters in it, every bit of our reading this morning are the red letters, which means that these are the words of Jesus. Would you stand for the reading of the Gospel this morning? John chapter 10, beginning at verse 11. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This command I received from my father. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we respond together by saying, thanks be to God. You can be seated. If you were with us last week, uh, we were in uh, the 21st chapter of this gospel, the 21st uh, uh, chapter of John, and, and it's that post-Easter passage that, uh, that most of us are familiar with where Jesus uh, is, has the, the, the morning barbecue breakfast with Peter, and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And you know, he says, oh, of course, I love you. And then he says, feed my sheep. We talked about that last week and the three times that they went through that. And we learned together last week that, um, that it's tough to say, I love Jesus and not love his sheep. And I asked you to be praying about last Sunday and even with an email this week to be praying about who are the sheep in your life that you are called to love? Who are the people that you are called to influence? Who are the people that, that through the relationship that you have or, or, or just because they've been placed in your life that, that, that you are... The, called to be the people who influence them in Christ's name. But one thing we didn't talk about last week, we talked about sheep and we talked about our responsibility to do so, but we didn't talk about what does it mean to be a shepherd? What does it look like? What does it mean to take care of sheep? And I found myself thinking this week about some of the shepherds in my life. 
It is no wonder that, that the word shepherd, the idea of shepherd, was, was frequently on Jesus' lips because this, uh, this is part of their heritage and the culture. Uh, Abraham, the, the father of a nation, um, he was a man who had many great flocks. Moses was tending the flocks of his father Jethro when he was called into special service for God. David was a shepherd boy who was out in the fields when he was called to be the king of Israel. The imagery of, of shepherd is, is written upon all of the literature of the day, including uh, the, the Psalms and other Old Testament writings. When Isaiah spoke about the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah wrote this, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs into his arms. Psalm 23, probably the most famous shepherd passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. Let me just not run past that too fast. That's a passage that's probably worth just taking a deep breath for a moment and hearing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me by the quiet waters. The picture becomes even more clear in the focus of the New Testament. Jesus tells stories. There's a story that he told about the shepherd who had 100 sheep and one sheep got away and uh, he still got 99 left. Now, for the rest of us, that seems like a pretty good return on investment. 99, we could live with that. But not Jesus. He's, he leaves the 99 and he goes out to the one and he seeks them out, trying to bring them back. That's, that's what a shepherd does. And later, Jesus goes on in, in the Gospel of Mark. He's talking to this huge group of people. And it says that he looks out upon these people and he has compassion on them. And, he, and, and it says this, as sheep without a shepherd. Throughout the Judeo-Christian faith, the image of shepherd is stamped into our thinking. And so in our scripture text this morning, once again, Jesus is tapping into this idea when he calls himself the good shepherd. And so I want to just take some moments today to open up that passage and to think about a little bit, what does that mean? What are the characteristics of the good shepherd? And not only so that we understand the one who shepherds us, but so that if we're a people that are called to go out and do what he has done, to go and feed his sheep, then what do the characteristics need to look like in our shepherding, in our life? So first, we have a shepherd that is a genuine shepherd. Uh, Larry Daniels, a well-known civil uh, uh, war novelist, and, and he tells this story about uh, he'd been saving up. Uh, you know, he collected things for the Civil War, but he'd been saving up his money to buy an antique 1864 U.S. Springfield rifle. It was beautiful. He, he, he was putting money away. This is what his goal was. But then he met the love of his life and decided that he needed an engagement ring. And so he took all the money that he was going to use to buy this 1864 rifle, and he bought the engagement ring, which led to the famous saying that you know, um, uh, greater, man, greater love has no man than one who lays down his gun money uh, for his bride. After he bought the ring, though, this is the, the part of the story that's interesting. He, he said to the jeweler, he said, you know, it's, it's already bought. It, it's a done deal. I'm not going back, but I just have this curiosity. How much of a difference, really, is there between the ring I just bought with my rifle money um, or one I could have gotten at a fraction of the cost on the home shopping channel? And the jeweler, jeweler said, come here, I want to show you. And so he went around the, the, 
the counter there and, and he put uh, his ring and he put an imitation there next to it and he put a bright light on it and then he took one of those, you know, those things jewelers wear, whatever those are, and, and he looked down inside and he said it was absolutely amazing. Under, under the light and under close scrutiny, the ring that he bought, he said, just sparkled. He said it just came alive. But the counterfeit was dull with no luster. Jesus said there are two shepherds. Outwardly, there seems no difference to them. The skin of both of them have been bronzed by the sun and weathered by the wind. They both carry a fleece to keep warm at night. They both have a, have a shepherd's crook. One is a genuine shepherd. The other is counterfeit. One is a shepherd in his heart. The other is just a shepherd who is for hire. And on ordinary days and in the ordinary circumstances of life, you can't tell the two apart. But let trouble come. Let trouble begin to come in. Let the wolf pack begin to come in. And the difference is shown right away. For the counterfeit one runs because he's only in it for the money. He has got no ownership. But the real shepherd stays. And Jesus says in our text, he says, I lay down my life for my sheep. That's the difference between the real shepherd and the counterfeit one. I'm willing to sacrifice who I am for the sheep in my charge. Here's the really good news in all of that. I don't care how much trouble comes your way or even how much trouble is in the midst of your way right now. The good shepherd will never leave your side. The good shepherd will never forsake you. He will not desert you when the times get tough. He doesn't run away. That's the kind of news that will get you through the night. That's the kind of news that will give you hope in the middle of just the, the, the insanity that sometimes is life and the decisions that we don't even know what direction to make. Maybe today that's the news that, that somebody at least here needs to hear. He is with you. Second, I think the good shepherd knows his sheep. I was reading a, a scholar this week who was talking about a trip that he'd taken to the Holy Land several years ago. And, and uh, he was at a watering hole where a whole bunch of, uh, of sheep had come together. And, and he said he looked out and it was just kind of this sea of wool. And obviously it was a number of flocks. And he began to think to himself, how do they tell them apart? How, how, how are the right ones going to go with the right shepherd? And so he just kind of hung out there for a little bit. And after a little bit of time, when some time had gone by... Uh, the shepherd began, each shepherd began to give the unique call with their voice. And in an orderly kind of fashion, they just began to divide and go to their shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know my name. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said that. I heard the story of a U.S. government uh, census taker was up in the mountains and going along, finds this little cabin, not really expecting it to be there, but wanting to do the job. So came up and knocked on the door and mom answered the door. And, and uh, he said, ma'am, uh, I'm with the, the U.S. government. Uh, we're taking a census. Um, and I'd like to know how many dependents you have here. And she began, she said, well, there's, there's Rosalie and Billy and there's Luella, and there's our dog, Willie. And the census guys, no, no, I don't need to know about your animals. I just, I need the human ones. Okay, she said, well, there's Rosalie, and there's Billy, and there's Luella. And he, <laughs> exasperated, he stops her again, and he says, no, ma'am, I, I, I'm here to get their numbers, not to get their names. And she looked at him kind of confused and said, well, sir, I don't know their number. I just know their names. 
And it strikes me as a pretty comforting thought in my life that the great creator of the entire universe doesn't know me by a number. He knows me by name. The God who created the universe that is so big, we can't even put boundaries on it. The God who threw stars to the left and to the right knows your name. He knows your story. He knows right in the midst of where you are, are, in the circumstances that you are in. The good shepherd says, I know my sheep. And Jesus said, my sheep know me. The question is, do we know and are we listening to God's voice? I suppose most of us here have seen the painting in one form or another of the 1930s of the dog looking with the cocked head into the old RCA phonograph. What you might not know is that painting has a title. It's titled The Master's Voice. Now, I will just tell you, I'll just be transparent with you, there are times in my life I have not always heard the master's voice because I have been too busy or I have been uh, pouring myself into something else or I have been self-centered. I I will tell you there are times, I'll just tell you, I'm sure I'm not the only one, I'm thinking I'm not the only one, that I haven't even wanted to listen for the master's voice because I knew what he was going to tell me. And so we just press on and we put our head down instead of choosing to be a people who just sit and listen. And we've talked about that in the last month or so, a couple of times, the, the importance that we have of, of, of just finding some time in which we just listen and try to hear his voice. I know it's important to hear the words of the good shepherd, for he knows his sheep and his sheep know him. So how do the sheep recognize the shepherd so easily? Well, I think it's pretty simple. It's just, it's just simply this. They spend time with the shepherd. They spend time day after day with the shepherd. That's how the sheep are able to know his voice so well. To, to distinguish truth and what is not truth, you have to choose to live daily walking in truth. Bank tellers know counterfeit money, not because they, they study counterfeit money. They just know the real stuff so well. They spend so much time with the real stuff that when the counterfeit comes along, they recognize it as not the real stuff. And so to hear the shepherd's voice, the good shepherd's voice calling us, we have to be a people that are willing to invest in spending time with the shepherd, in listening to his voice. Day after day, knowing the true from the counterfeit. Because there are all kinds of voices that are after us, right? There are all kinds of voices that are telling us that we ought to do this or we ought to do that. Uh, Sometimes good stuff. But not stuff from the master. The good shepherd also includes other sheep. Jesus said, I have sheep too that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. Do you know what an oxymoron is? An oxymoron is this a combination of two words that seem to contradict each other. Um, for example, bittersweet, jumbo shrimp, authentic reproduction, University of Idaho football, um, <laughs> Senate Ethics Committee. Let me give you another. Good Shepherd. 
for the modern ear, that doesn't bother us at all. It doesn't seem anything contradictory at all. But, but to the ancient world, the shepherd, the, the shepherd was, was not this, this humble, romantic occupation that we think of it today. The, the shepherds of the day were treated much like the, the gypsies are in much of Europe today. They are called cheaters, and they are called dirty, and they are called thieves. In fact, under Jewish law, under Jewish law shepherds were not even allowed to testify in trial. That's how low they were in society. And so just when they think they've got the shepherds figured out and this whole pecking order, Jesus throws this, this whole term in, of shepherd in and, and you see, there are going to be people in God's flock who some will not expect them to be there. There are some people not of my fold, he says. And of course, he's speaking of Gentiles and I think others. I must bring them in as well. And the shepherd is is this inclusive with with his love, with his care. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. In the historical drama of Abraham Lincoln, a woman says, says to Lincoln, says, Mr. President, you heard the good news. In the latest battle, we only lost 800 trips, troops. The enemy lost 2,500. Isn't that great? And Lincoln says to her, 3,500 souls are lost. What, what part of that is great? She said, oh, Mr. President, you can't look at it that way. Only 800 of them count. And he looked at her and he said, Madam, the world is much bigger than your heart. We have a good shepherd who loves all. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think, I think that there is room in the shepherd's heart both for the vandals and the cougars. I think there's room in the shepherd's heart for Democrats and Republicans and Charismatics and Catholics and Emergents and Fundamentalists. I recently had a Facebook conversation with a high school friend. She saw that we sponsor, our family sponsors two children in Honduras for school and for food. And, and she said, uh, she says, I'm sorry, I just, I, just can't, I just can't agree with that. She says, we, we ought to be helping our own first. Now, first of all, she has no idea what we give to help people that are around us. But second, that took me by surprise. Help our own first. I think you probably know what she doesn't. There is no special section of God's kingdom reserved called the United States. Our own people are all sons and daughters of God's creation. And I wanted to say to her, Madam... The world is much bigger than your heart. May our heart be as big as the shepherd's. The good shepherd also sacrifices. Jesus worded it this way. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It must have been quite surprising when Jesus said that. Because the sheep, you know, is the, is the lowest of, of the low, right? I mean, God made sheep to make chickens look smart. You know, I think that's the whole purpose uh, of them. And when all of a sudden Jesus is talking about laying down your life, it must have seemed rather odd until they began to put together and began for us to understand that the sheep he's talking about is us. That we are the worthless ones, the ones in which atonement is needed, the shedding of one's blood on behalf of someone who doesn't deserve it. 
Nicholas Bredyev was a, a Russian who abandoned Marxism for Christianity. And he says what brought him to Christianity was not theology, and it was not history, and it was not the church. He was present in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany as Jews were being lined up and headed into the gas chambers. There was a distraught mother in line having to leave her children. Her name was Maria. And, and, and what, what they began to understand was that the Nazis weren't looking for particular people. They just needed an, the right amount of number to get in line. And he watched as a woman went up and moved, removed crying Maria out of the line and stood in the line and took her place. And he said, it was in that moment that I began to understand. That was the tipping point for me to begin to understand how this Christ could love so much he would lay down his life for me. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You don't have a life that's worth living unless you have something worth dying for. You don't have a life worth living unless you have something worth dying for. If we are following the shepherd model, the Christ who who laid down his life as a part of faith, then we need to be a people who recognize that all of our life is given for those who God has called us to feed. You know, often we want the church to be a place where, that, that feeds us and meets our needs and checks all of our boxes. But if we take seriously what it means to model Christ, then it must mean the church must be willing to lay down our life for the worthless and undeserving like ourselves. We take great comfort in knowing that the, the good shepherd knows our names and leads us beside quiet waters and, and green pastures but it's not enough to just remain sheep. I take very seriously and very humbly this call now for almost 21 years to be the shepherd of this flock, willing to walk through tough times together. But you have called, been called to be a shepherd too. You're called to be a shepherd to, to your kids and, and to your grandkids and, and to your cousins and to the people at work or, or somebody who has an influence in your life, somebody, somebody that you're influencing who, who doesn't yet know the love of God. You, you are called to be that shepherd. Christ is calling you into the role of shepherd. It's not just a pastor. It's not, it's not just that way. You are called to shepherd. You, you remember, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Oh, yes, I love you, Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, let's put it to the test. If you love me, you feed my sheep. All of my sheep. Not just the easy ones to love. If you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, go be a shepherd. Peter, go, go do what I do. Go walk where I walk. Gather some people around you and, and live how I live so they can see me reflected in you. Gather some people around you. And by the way you live, may you shepherd people just by the actions of your life. Feed my sheep. You know, I love green pastures as much as anyone. And I long for some quiet waters in my life. But we weren't meant only to receive. If we're to be faithful and there is no alternative, then then we need to be a people who are also willing to lay down our time and our resources 
and our lives. Take great comfort and joy in knowing that the shepherd knows your name. And the shepherd will not leave you. And the shepherd walks with you. But, but let me ask you this morning. Have you thought about the people he has called you to shepherd? We began that conversation last week to say, who, who are the sheep in your life? If you're going to answer that, because I think Jesus has the same call for Peter uh, as, as he calls to us today. He says your name. And he says, do you love me? And we say, oh, yes, God, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Do what I do. Be a shepherd to the people that I've placed in your life. You were given a piece of paper during our offering time. And I just want to invite you this morning to begin to answer that question that I started last week. Who are the people that God has placed in your pen? They can be kids or grandkids or family. They, can, they don't have to be family. They can be people in which you influence. They can be a neighbor. They can be people that you teach. They, they, they can be so many different people. But if you say back to Jesus, oh, Jesus, yes, I love you. He says your name and he says, you know what? Okay, now go feed my sheep. Your employees. Your family that's hard to love. The family down the street that nobody loves. Who are the people on your list? I I just, if you would, to begin to think about who are they? And once you think about who they are, and and I'd invite you in in a moment, and there's pens in front of your chair if you want to make that list. I'd invite you those, if it would be a helpful tool for you, to take that list and put, put it somewhere. Put it somewhere where you're in your daily prayers. Put it somewhere on your desk. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. And be reminded that this call of God in your life is not just wasn't a nice Sunday call. It is the call of God in your life. Feed my sheep. By how you live and how you love and where you go. Are you looking like the good shepherd? So I'm going to invite you. We're going to take two minutes. During that two minutes, we're going to play a video of a four-year-old talking about the good shepherd. And, and during that two minutes, if you'd like to think about names or just between you and the Lord, write those on a piece of paper as kind of a commitment covenant to say, God, when I write this down, <laughs> I'm having to listen to your voice. I've got to walk out of here knowing that you've called me. These are my sheep I need to feed. These are my sheep I need to love. Take a couple minutes and listen to the Spirit as we listen to this little girl talk about the Good Shepherd. Wow, Kaylee, this is a great picture you drew. Can you tell me about it? What's what's this? Uh, who's this on the left? It's the shepherd. The shepherd? Mm-hmm. Who's our shepherd? Jesus. Yeah. And what are all these on the right? Sheep. They're all his sheep? What's the thing in his hand? A staff. A staff? What does he do with that? If the sheep is falling, then he can pull him up. If, if the sheep disobeys, then he can give a spank with it. Oh, my. Wow. And what's, uh, so what's this on the other side? Well, this is the sheep. Another sheep, the lost sheep. The lost sheep? And, yeah. oh, and this is all the grass. 
There's some up on top of him. He's inside of the grass so the shepherd can't see him. Oh my. He looks pretty lost to me. What's going to happen to him? I don't know. The shepherd might pull him out of the grass. Is the shepherd going to go find him? Yeah, he's going to pull him out of the grass with the staff. Wow. Wow. Isn't Jesus a, isn't he a good shepherd to go after that lost sheep? Yeah, he's a really good shepherd. <laughs> he's a very good shepherd. Yeah, it's good because Jesus, it's good, good thing. He laid his body, his life down for that lost sheep. He loves that sheep so much, huh? Yeah, he really loves that last sheep. Hmm. And those sheep, too. He's a really good shepherd. Hmm. Yeah. Would you stand with me? Father, thanks today that you've met us in this place. From the songs we've sung, to the prayers we've prayed, to the scripture we've opened. And I'm thankful today, as your scripture so often does, is it can speak on multiple levels right in the places where we're at today. And so maybe, maybe how you've spoken to some today is you've spoken to someone who is that lost sheep. Someone who has left the 99 and, and just recognizes they aren't part of the sheep, the community. That, Father, would you speak into their heart today that they have a shepherd who's looking for them and longing to have a deeper relationship with them. Or second, maybe, maybe your spirit has spoken to a group of people today who, if they're just honest have not done a good job of listening to your voice and have wrestled back and forth with this whole idea of I'm God or you're God. And if that's a group that you're speaking to today, then I would just pray you would speak into their heart how much you want to come alongside and have the best in mind for them and to hear your voice. Or third, maybe your spirit has spoken into somebody's life right now who is in the midst of deep struggle and in the midst of not knowing what to do and in the midst of decisions that they're not sure how to make. And they need to be reminded of a good shepherd who comes alongside, who is the real deal, who doesn't run away when things are tough, but will stand right alongside of who, whatever we're walking through today. You do not leave us. You do not forsake us. Maybe somebody today needs to be reminded that they are not alone. You are with them. Or fourth, maybe your spirit has spoken today to a group of people who need to be reminded that it's not just enough to give thanks for the shepherd, but we are called to then be a people who shepherd the sheep. So maybe you've spoken into some lives today that who have filled out some pieces of paper and filled, put some names down in, in which you're speaking to their heart today to say, I'm counting on you to feed my sheep. I'm counting on you to live like, 
like I live. I'm counting on you that when the, when the people on the piece of paper, the people you're influencing, when they look at, when they look at you, they, that, they, that they look like Jesus. I'm counting on you. Feed my sheep. I've given you these kids or these coworkers or these employees or uh, I've given you these as your, as your mission field. Now go, shepherd, love, encourage, counsel in my name. God, I'm so thankful that you speak to us. And that today, whether we're in one of those four groups whether we find ourselves in multiple or all four or a fifth I didn't name, that your spirit wants to take us from this place deeper than when we came to hold our heads high because we are children of the king. We know ourselves we're really kind of some dumb sheep. But you view us as children of the king. So help us live in such a way that lives into that gift. And may our joy this week be not in the things that we have, but may it be in the one who has us. And moment by moment, may we deep breathe deep when we need to go by the still waters and the green pasture so that we might be encouraged to head to the rocky ground for the sheep that you have given us. I cannot express enough, Father, my thanksgiving for the people who stand before me, for a community of people who journey together, we say thanks be to God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Lord bless you as you go.